Minnesota explodes after an incident of police brutality ends in death. Twitter mobs search for new targets in their quest to stamp out racism. And President Trump vows an executive order to curb Twitter. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Your online activity should not be public. Protect yourself at expressvpn.com. Slash Ben. We'll get to all of the latest breaking news in just a moment, including the burning of Minneapolis. Minneapolis is on fire last night and this morning. We'll talk about that momentarily. First, let's talk about the fact that 40 million Americans have now lost their jobs from the economic fallout of coronavirus and the government-induced lockdowns, which it seems like we're uh, over the top. We just don't know what's happening next. And you don't. one thing you do know is the government is going to spend too much money and then going to have to repay that money either through taxation or inflation. It might be a good time to diversify into precious metals. In fact, if you'd done that a few months ago, you'd be sitting pretty Right now, this is why you should have talked to Birch Gold when I told you two months ago. Go talk to Birch Gold right now. One of the things that they can do for you is if you're interested, convert your traditional IRA or 401k into a precious metals IRA. Whether you decide to do that or not, it is worthwhile to at least have part of your portfolio in precious metals. It hedges against inflation, against uncertainty, against the vicissitudes of a government that is willing to spend money that has not yet been created. Before May 31st, with a qualifying purchase, Birch Gold will give you a free emergency kit. This is the last time to get the offer, so hurry. The backpack is absolutely loaded with everything you can't buy right now. So safeguard your savings with Birch Gold. They'll help safeguard your family like they have many, many, many others, like tens of thousands of others, including my own. There's no obligation. You have nothing to lose to take that first step. Go check out Birch Gold Group A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Don't wait for the market to continue to bounce around before you at least hedge against that bouncing. Go check them out and get your free emergency kit by texting BEN to 474747 and diversifying today. Again, text BEN to 474747. Text BEN to 474747. Okay, so obviously the big story of the day is the looting and burning in Minnesota. And that follows hard on what is another video of an awful incident involving the police. And I think that once more, it is important to recognize that everyone should be on the same side of this. Right? Really, everyone should be on the same side of this. What we have seen here, and yet we are not. What we have seen here is a police officer kneeling on the neck of a black man for four straight minutes while he's being told by people, including the guy who is underneath his knee, that he cannot breathe. Okay, it's really, really ugly, and it's really, really bad. What is not clear is whether it is really, really racial. Now, the implication by the media is always that it is race-driven, because whenever there's a white officer doing something bad to a black suspect, the implication is that it is race-driven. But here's the reality. Police officers generally do a very good job. There are some police officers who are terrible at their jobs and jackasses and treat everybody horribly. We have not yet seen evidence that this police officer is a racist, as we will see people were trying to manufacture evidence of that yesterday. But- This thing has been handled the way it's supposed to be handled. These officers probably will end up standing trial. We don't yet have a medical examiner's report. So this is part of the problem when you're going to put somebody on trial for, say, negligent homicide, for manslaughter, or for murder, or for something like that. You actually have to determine cause of death. So in the Eric Garner case in New York, to which this is being compared, in that particular case, Eric Garner didn't actually die of the quote-unquote chokehold that he was put in. He died because he had an underlying heart condition. He died of a heart attack that was sort of attendant on the, the incident itself. And so that led to sort of complications in a lot of the investigation. It is not clear at this point that this person died because he had a, a, a knee on the back of his neck. At the very least, the officer should go to jail for assault, you would assume, because this is not within the purview of employment. You don't get just to, to it's police brutality, obviously. Okay, so here's a little bit of the video. I'll narrate the video for people who can't actually watch. So the original story from the officers is that this man, whose name is George Floyd, they were called on the, uh, they were called because he was engaging in some sort of forgery. He was forging checks or something in his car. 
and they showed up. And the original narrative is that he had resisted arrest. The tape doesn't appear to show him resisting arrest in any real way. Here's a little bit of the tape. So you can see that that he is he's taken out of the car, he's a very large man, taken out of the car by this white officer. He doesn't appear to be resisting arrest anywhere here. Um, and at, at a certain point, the officer, he, he kind of falls to the ground. Uh, and I guess this is where you would, quote unquote, say that he's resisting. But here the officer is kneeling on his neck and just putting his foot, putting his knee on his neck. And he's saying he can't breathe. The guy's saying he can't breathe. And people around the officer are saying, you need to get up off the guy. He can't breathe. I mean, it's just egregious. It's egregious, egregious, egregious. And he should be prosecuted, this officer, to the fullest extent of the law into which the evidence shows. And by the way, everyone agrees with this. Everyone agrees with this, right? There is there is no dissent on this particular point from the Minneapolis mayor to civil rights leaders to President Trump to the Minneapolis Police Department. Everyone agrees. These office, all four officers who are present here, the, the officer who did the kneeling and the officers who are standing around him, all of them have been fired, like immediately, not put on suspension, not put on leave, fired outright, which means, by the way, a prosecution is coming down the pike. And other law enforcement officials are pointing out that this is insane. According to the Wall Street Journal, Floyd's death in custody draws condemnation from law enforcement officials. So according to law enforcement officials, the FBI, the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension, they said they are investigating the incident. President Trump tweeted late on Wednesday that he had asked the FBI and the Justice Department to expedite the investigation into Floyd's death. He said, my heart goes out to George's family and friends. Justice will be served. President Trump himself came out. He said, we're going to get a full report. We're going to do a full investigation. Here was President Trump yesterday talking about this. Okay, obviously, the president, does he look like he is celebrating racism in this particular clip? The Minneapolis mayor, Jacob Fry, originally called for charges to be bought, brought against the arresting officer. He said that we, we should see some sort of, of prosecution in short order. He'd like to see a prosecution in short order. The head of the Minneapolis police union, Bob Kroll, stirred controversy when he wore cops for Trump t-shirt to a Trump rally in the city and sold them as a fundraiser after Fry said that the president wasn't welcome. But that has really nothing to do with anything that has happened here. Houston Police Chief Art Acevedo, who's president of an organization that represents police chiefs from America's largest cities, said it was unfathomable for an officer to put a knee into a handcuffed suspect's neck, as the video showed. Acevedo said, I haven't heard anybody justify this. The head of the Major City Chiefs Association said he couldn't recall such uniform condemnation of an officer's action by other police ever occurring in the past. The arresting officer has been identified as one Derek Chauvin by his lawyer, Tom Kelly, who declined further comment. Police are trained to pin down suspects by putting their knee on the shoulder blade, not the neck, unless deadly force is justified, according to Miami-Dade Police Chief Juan Perez. The FBI has declined to comment so far. To bring a federal civil rights case, the Justice Department has to reach a difficult standard of proof. They have to show that the officer not only acted with excessive force, but also willfully violated someone's constitutional rights. That's a, that's a big lift. But local law enforcement, you know, local law does not necessarily have that lift. And so bottom line is this. There is unanimity on this, right? Unanimity. The mayor of Minneapolis is saying the officers should be charged. The officers have been laid off. The DAs are going to investigate. The FBI is going to investigate. The DOJ is going to investigate. Police chiefs all around the country are condemning this. And the only sort of outstanding question right now is why exactly Floyd died? Because the, the medical report is inconclusive at this point. The medical report says that the cause and manner of death is currently pending further testing and investigation by the Hennepin County Medical Examiner's Office, and that will clear up 
what exactly the charges should be here. So this should be a situation where there is not actually a lot of controversy. And yet controversy has arisen. The reason there shouldn't be controversy is because we're all reacting the same way, except when it comes to the question of race. And the question of race has become obviously the focal point here with people immediately jumping to not only was the incident racist, not only is Derek Chauvin a racist, but also all of America is racist. And you saw a lot of tweets like this yesterday. All of America is doing this to black people. This is where the conversation starts to break down pretty quickly because you're leaping beyond the evidence of the incident to make two conclusions. One, that the incident was driven primarily by racism or even secondarily by racism. And two, that all of America is responsible. If indeed, even if this officer was a vicious racist who decided to kill a black man that day by putting his knee on the guy's neck, how that indicates all of America is beyond me. It, like, I just don't, I don't see it. We're all condemning it. Like it's hard to pin a, a, an evil act on everyone in America or on America more broadly when everyone is condemning the action. I've yet to see a person defending the action of the officer. Okay, so we'll get to that in just one second, how this becomes politicized. We'll get to that momentarily first. Let's talk about the fact that you can get a great gift for your dad this Father's Day. Great gift for your parents. You haven't been able to see your parents in a while if they are in their 60s or above, thanks to all of the lockdowns. If you want to get somebody a truly meaningful gift, I mean like the most meaningful gift you can get them, what you need to do is make sure that their memories are preserved. This is a super important thing. This is why you should check out Legacy Box. Legacy Box is a super simple mail-in service. You can have all your home movies and pictures digitally preserved on a thumb drive, DVD, or the cloud. Don't let priceless family memories disappear. That's what happens if you don't take action. Instead, here's an idea. Do you have home projects that you've been putting off? You know, you have that garage that's full of old film reels and you don't have a film projector. You got all the old VHS tapes that you took off the camcorder and now you no longer have a VCR. Why not get all of that digitally preserved by the great folks over at Legacy Box? I really, I, I know the people who started the company. They started in a garage. They are awesome. Great Americans doing an amazing job of preserving people's memories. They care for your memories the way they would their own. Legacy Box is the world's largest digitizer of home movies and photos. They've helped over three quarters of a million families digitally preserve their past. The process is really easy, start to finish. You pack and you send. Their team digitizes everything by hand. To brighten your day, Legacy Box is currently offering an incredible 40% off. Buy today to take advantage of this exclusive offer and then send in when you're ready. Go to LegacyBox.com slash Ben. Save 40% while supplies last. That is LegacyBox.com slash Ben. Okay, so... This became quickly politicized, even though it didn't have to be politicized, because people decided to make claims that are simply beyond what the facts demonstrate. And then because they are making those claims, they've decided to justify the rioting that is going on in Minnesota. This is so counterproductive, it's beyond belief. If you believe that protests are legitimate against police brutality, why in the world would you start justifying riots, like people looting targets and such? It's beyond insane. But it ties into the, again, broader American narrative that Target is somehow as guilty of this thing because Target is part of America as you are guilty, as the officer is guilty. So Joe Biden yesterday suggested that the black community in America is under threat. Now, that is just not true. I'm sorry, it's not true. I don't know why I should have to apologize. It's a good thing. It's a very good thing the black community in America is not under threat. There is this narrative that Joe Biden has been attempting to draw. I pointed this out last week when Joe Biden was saying that you can't be legitimately black if you vote for a Republican. The implication that he was drawing which is a nasty and horrible and ugly implication, is that Republicans are seeking to exterminate black people, which is just disgusting and horrifying in every possible way. It is free of evidence. It is gross. Okay, but it, it ties into a broader narrative that America is just as racist as it has always been. America is the land of slavery and Jim Crow. Nothing has changed. Black people in America are under existential threat. Here is Joe Biden suggesting that black Americans are under existential threat each and every day. It's not true. By statistics, it is not true. I can't breathe. It's a tragic reminder that this was uh, not an isolated incident, but a part of an ingrained 
systemic cycle of injustice that still exists in this country. It cuts at the very heart of our sacred belief that all Americans are equal in rights and in dignity. And it sends a very clear message to the black community and black lives that uh, are under threat every single day. Okay, black lives are not under threat every single day from America, writ broad, or police writ broadly, by the way. Statistical studies continue to show over and over and over, like repeatedly, that there is no disproportionate shooting of black men by white officers in America. This is not a statistical reality. That does not mean that black people aren't mistreated by police. That doesn't mean that there aren't racist police officers who do bad things. Of course, all of that is true. But if we are going to act, if we are going to actively accuse the entire United States of victimizing black people to the extent that black lives are always in danger wherever you go, I mean, travel around America and you will see that this is not actually the case. You know, a huge percentage of Americans are black, and the vast, 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 vast majority—nearly all of them—are not under threat of killing every single day. That's it's such a wild overstatement. And it's a wild overstatement that has a political purpose. And the purpose is to suggest that only Joe Biden and Democrats can protect you. But the reality is that your, your fellow Americans, if you are black, are not seeking to kill you. This is, not a, this is not a reality. There's a study that was published in August of 2019 in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. And it showed that the, the police are not disproportionately shooting black men. What dictates who gets shot by the police is the rate of violent crime in a community. The more frequently officers encounter violent suspects from any given racial group, the greater the chances that members of that group will be shot by a police officer. So if you are a police officer and you're in a high crime Hispanic neighborhood, it is more likely you're going to shoot a Hispanic male. If you are in a high crime white neighborhood, it is more likely you're going to shoot a white male. Black civilians are actually shot less compared to whites than their rates of violent crime would predict. That's according to one study. Then there's a study by Roland Fryer, who is a black sociologist who studies crime over at Harvard University. He found that conditional on police interaction, there are no racial differences in officer-instigated shootings on either the extensive or intensive margins. After controlling for suspect demographics, officer demographics, encounter characteristics, suspect weapon, and year-fixed effects, blacks are 27.4% less likely to be shot by police than relative to non-black and non-Hispanics. Investigating the intensive margin, who shoots first in an encounter with police, or how many bullets were discharged in the endeavor, there are no detectable racial differences, according to Roland Fryer, again, a black professor from Harvard University. So the narrative that black Americans are under threat from police, broadly speaking, across America is just not true. It's not a reality. That does not mean that there are more confrontations between black Americans and police because police are usually in high crime neighborhoods. And unfortunately, there are a lot of high crime neighborhoods that happen to be black. That is, that's, that's a tragedy. And, it's, and the only way that that's going to be solved is with more police, not fewer police, is with crime rates going down, not crime rates going up. But the generalized narrative that America is broadly guilty for the actions of Derek Chauvin, or even, by the way, that Derek Chauvin is is an unrepentant racist, and that's why this happened, is it's a bizarre take. And people are stretching the truth to get there. So take, for example, Ice Cube. So Ice Cube tweeted out, the, the rapper Ice Cube, the actor Ice Cube, he tweeted out yesterday a picture of Derek Chauvin with his knee on this guy's neck, and then a picture of another guy wearing a Make Whites Great Again look. It looks like a MAGA hat, right? It's red with the white text. It says, Make Whites Great Again. They write, a wolf in wolf's clothing. The demons are among us. Hashtag, fight the cowards. And um, there's only one problem with this. And the one problem with this is that the person in the right-hand side of the photo is not the person in the left-hand side of the photo. It's just not true. According to Snopes.com, this is, this is not the right person. 
right? The, the person who is actually wearing that hat, and this, this, went, this made the rounds yesterday, it was trending on Twitter, because the idea was this was an unrepentant racist who had killed a black man because he was a racist, and also a Trump supporter, presumably because of the hat. It turns out that the photo actually shows a guy named Jonathan Riches, a supporter of President Trump, who's also a former federal inmate and an online troll who's garnered a reputation for filing lawsuits. Okay, so, th- so they just, th- this was taken and it was, and it was placed next to the photo to demonstrate that this was obviously an instance of racism. Again, maybe it is and maybe it isn't. We're going to have to find out the evidence on this. But even if it is, that does not indicate broad-based American racism. And then Ice Cube tweeted back, tweeted out, how long will we go for blue on black crime before we strike back? Strike back against whom? Against the police officers who didn't, who didn't do this? I mean, is he calling for violence against police officers? How is any of this useful? How is any of this good? Gail King on CBS Morning News. She said the same thing. She said, well, this seems like open season on black men. Again, where is the evidence that it is open season on black men? Where is the evidence? I understand why you would look at a video and think that's a really ugly incident and it's a white guy and it's a black guy. And obviously that is an instance of racism. I understand why you might jump to that conclusion. But let me just say, you still have to follow the evidence. I mean, Gail King is a reporter. And not only should Gail King not be saying this, the suggestion that black men everywhere are in danger from the police is just... Like, at some point, you're going to have to present the evidence for this. I'm I'm very tired of the illogical jump between police were racist in 1960 and police are racist in 2020 to the extent that every black man in America is in danger. Like, that, it's, it's, it's divisive, it's ugly, in a time when, again, we're all unified. Everyone agrees that this guy, Derek Chauvin, should go to jail. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to hear the person who's like, yeah, that sounds like what he did seems like good to me. Like, what, no one is saying that. Here is Gail King, you know, again, drawing a conclusion that is not supportable by the evidence. We go from that story now to this story where she falsely accuses a black man on television. I mean, I, I don't even know what to do or how to handle this at this particular time. I know that this is I, 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 I'm speechless. I'm really, really speechless about what we're seeing on television this morning. It feels to me like an open season. And that it's just a not sometimes a safe place to be in this country for black men. And today is too much for me. Okay, it is. Yes, America is a safe country for black men. It is a very, very safe country for black men. It's a safe country for nearly everyone. Crime rates in America have gone down so dramatically since the 1960s that it makes your head head boggle. I mean, since 1994, the crime rates in America have have, have just dropped into the basement. And the Minneapolis mayor did the same thing. He says being black shouldn't be a death sentence. Being black is not a death sentence. It is not a death sentence. There are over 30 million black Americans living in the United States. It is not a death sentence to be black in America. Can we please stop with this sort of rhetoric? There was a point in which it was, in fact, a sentence to living death to be black in America when slavery was a thing. There was a point when it was it was to be sentenced to second class citizenship to be black in America. That's when Jim Crow was a thing. It is not a death sentence to be black in America today. And if you think that it is, you're delusional. You're delusional. Either that or you're, you're allowing your passion to overcome your reason. Here's the Minneapolis mayor making a claim that is completely unsupportable by evidence. Being black in America should not be a death sentence. For five minutes, we watched as a white officer pressed his knee into the neck of a black man. For five minutes, When you hear someone calling for help, you are supposed to help. This officer failed in the most basic human sense. 
Okay, agree with the passion, agree with the conviction, wildly disagree with the idea that if you're a black man in America, that is a death sentence. I mean, that's, that's, it. that's a wild statement. It's a wild statement that being black in America is a death sentence. How many black people live in Minneapolis? A lot of black people live in Minneapolis. Okay, is that a death sentence for all the black people living in Minneapolis? He's the mayor. Maybe you should do something about that. That sounds pretty terrible. This is, this sort of rhetoric is deeply polarizing for no reason because again, we all agree this officer should go to jail based on the available evidence. We all agree that he did something that is disgusting and egregious. No one's defending it. But the jump from that to the already set 1619 Project narrative that America is racist in every way and everything in America that's good is fruit of the poisonous tree and that America continues to be just as racist it ever was. It's really, it's, it's bad stuff. It's bad stuff. It's bad for the country. We'll get to more of this in just one second because it's actually now being used, the sort of mentality is being used to justify rioting by, and looting by some people or at least overlooking rioting and looting. We're supposed to justify the, the anger of people who loot a target as though you're honoring George Floyd's memory by stealing a TV or some such nonsense. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that life is unpredictable. The world is unpredictable. And that means that you should insure against that unpredictability. You should get all the types of insurance you need, disability insurance and auto insurance and life insurance. And the best way to do all of this is to go check out Policy Genius because Policy Genius is the insurance marketplace online. There's a big demand for life insurance right now. If you're looking to get life insurance, here's how Policy Genius can help. Policy Genius will compare quotes from the top life insurance companies in one place. It takes just a few minutes to compare quotes from the top insurers and find your best price. This doesn't just save a lot of legwork. It could save 1500 bucks or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and the red tape for free. They're in contact with life insurance companies every day, monitoring developments, helping customers navigate every step. So if you're one of the many people looking to buy life insurance right now, but you're not sure where to start, well, I have an easy answer for you. Head on over to policygenius.com. Again, that's policygenius.com. Go check them out right now over at policygenius.com. Get the life insurance, get the auto insurance, get the disability insurance, all the insurance that you could possibly need. Go check them out right now. I promise you it's going to be very, very useful. Okay, so there is something that is, is deeply despicable, obviously in a very different way than, than what appears to be the manslaughter and or murder of a human being but deeply despicable politically and, and really bad for the country in suggesting that when a bad thing happens, that that thing innately demonstrates American racism. And then you don't even have to provide evidence. The allegation is itself the evidence of the racism, right? And, and evidence of America's broad-based racism, even if America rejects the action itself. So LeBron James did this again. LeBron James has an unfortunate habit of injecting himself into controversies in ways that are, are not well-informed. Now, listen, I, I appreciate that, again, LeBron James, I think, tries to be politically active, that's, that's fine. He's entitled to his opinion. That doesn't mean that he's entitled to be this deeply wrong. So LeBron James, he's not entitled to his own set of facts, in other words. LeBron James put up this thing on his Instagram in which he, in which he compared the, the officer, Derek Chauvin, kneeling on the neck of this George Floyd, unfortunate human being, and, and Colin Kaepernick kneeling. And said, this is why. He says, do you understand now or is it still blurred to you? Hashtag stay woke. Well, no, it's still blurred to me because Colin Kaepernick was not kneeling to protest police brutality alone. He was kneeling because his suggestion is that America tolerates police brutality, that America is pro-police brutality, that America is racist, that the American flag represents racism. And that is nasty and it is garbage and it is not true. And you know who knows that's not true? LeBron James, who has done extraordinarily well in America, and he should because he's an incredibly talented human being. And his color has not been an obstacle to him being incredibly successful in the United States. That's a very good thing. Colin Kaepernick's color was not an obstacle to him being a success in the United States. 
No, that, the, the point was that that was not why Colin Kaepernick was kneeling. Colin Kaepernick was wearing socks with pigs on them dressed up as cops, as though all cops were pigs. The conflation of a bad cop with racist cop and then that conflation of racist cop with all of America is really quite despicable. And again, unsupportable by evidence. It divides us in ways that are just unthinkably bad, unthinkably wrong. Because the fact is that there are so many black Americans who have fought for that flag. There's so many black Americans who serve in police forces. There's so many black Americans who are law-abiding citizens and so many black Americans who rightly fight this kind of stuff in the proper ways. That conflating people who are doing it in stupid and divisive and nasty ways with that is just, it's, it's completely ridiculous and silly. And, and you're seeing this sort of thing arise in Minnesota. So in Minnesota overnight, there are a bunch of protests and protests are fine, right? That's a First Amendment right. What is not a First Amendment right is breaking into the Target and looting it. I remember we had the LA riots in, in, in my home city. I believe that was 1994, the, the LA riots. So I believe I was 10 at the time. And I remember LA burning. So it was 1992, so I was eight. Uh, and it was... And it was and, and Maxine Waters called it the L.A. uprising. Burning down stores and stealing TVs is not an uprising. It's you being a piece of crap. Okay, that's not in any way, in any way, excusing police brutality. I just, I'm wondering how smashing the cash registers at Target is solving police brutality exactly. How exactly is you breaking into a Target and then ransacking the shelves, solving police brutality or burning down an auto zone, which is another thing that happened in Minneapolis last night. It's disgusting. I'm sorry. Looting is disgusting. Rioting is disgusting. And no, it is not justified by this sort of stuff. It is not justified by the Derek Chauvin case. Protests outside the police station are justified by all this sort of stuff. But I'll tell you things that are not justified by this sort of stuff. Breaking into the target, which is completely unrelated. Smashing store windows. There, there was a, a tape of two guys who had gone to their local store in Minneapolis, and they were standing outside their store with guns, saying the cops have been basically told to stand down. We're not going to stand down. We're going to protect our property. By the way, they should be protesting the police. These two things are not mutually exclusive. You can very much understand the protests of the police, even though the police, by the way, did the right thing and fired these guys, and there will be prosecutions, I am sure. But the attempt to excuse rioting is utterly asinine. And you're seeing a lot of that online right now. Well, you know, the anger is justified. The anger is just, you're not stealing a TV because you're angry. You're stealing a TV because you want a TV. You burning down an auto zone is not you being angry. You, you burning down an auto zone is because you're a criminal and you feel like burning down an auto zone. Sorry, that's not the way this works. There, there are a lot of angry people in American politics. Does any of that mean that you get to go and loot the local grocery? Obviously not. It's absurdity piled on absurdity. And then you had the, the riots. That, that, well, that there, was, there was, I would call it a riot, I, would, I, I suppose, in Los Angeles. People attacking cop cars, like full-on attacking cop cars. There's footage of, of people smashing cop car windows, gathering around cop cars and attacking police officers who had nothing to do with this in a completely different city. How, anytime you say things like, well, you know, the anger is justified. The anger is justified. I don't care about whether your feelings are justified. I care mostly about whether your actions are justified. Your, first of all, your feelings against a, an unrelated police officer are probably not justified. Let's just put it that way. And your feelings against Target are certainly not justified. But the, the attempt to, to, to sort of shy away from exposing bad behavior and to pretend that bad behavior is, is not happening here is insipid and ridiculous on every level. And again, very bad for the country. Because, and bad for the protesters, by the way. If you want sympathy for your protest, then you should not unify with the, with the looters and with the rioters. And I haven't seen the protesters doing that, by the way, by and large. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter trying to pretend that if you pay attention to the looting, you're a bad person. 
that if you pay attention to the fact that Minneapolis was in flames last night, so much so that satellites were picking up the smoke, that, that if, you, if you pay attention to that, that somehow you're ignoring the underlying crime that happened. But as always, many things can be true at once. You burning down an auto zone makes you a piece of crap. You know what else makes you a piece of crap? Even more a piece of crap? Kneeling on the neck of a person until they die. That makes you like the worst piece of crap. But among other pieces of crap who are less bad, but also pieces of crap, are people who loot targets because they feel like stealing bleep. And people who put up signs on the sides of buildings while they're burning down an unrelated building saying F the police. None of this is justified. It's not. Okay, to pretend it is and to go soft on it or to suggest that all of this is deeply indicative of underlying American racism and therefore you can burn down the target because the target is just part of the giant superstructure of America and it's supported by capitalism and it's insured anyway. Yeah, go, seriously, disgusting, truly disgusting. And here's the thing, again, it doesn't have to be this way. It does, none of this has to be this way. We could all agree on this stuff, but we have deliberately decided that we are not going to agree on this stuff. Instead, we are going to read into evidence things which have not yet been evidenced. And as we'll see, we're going to carry this over to even the most minute and stupid of conflicts. At least in this case of Derek Chauvin, you could, you could see the jump. But in many other cases that are popping up on Twitter, like every two days now, there's an attempt to attribute to America more broadly into American history and to the deep superstructure of American racism instances in which there's no actual evidence of racism. We're just going to, we're just going to destroy people on Twitter now for no apparent reason. We're going to get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that you need a VPN right now. You do. You're at home. You don't have your IT department able to protect you. You need to make sure that you are protected. How can you do this? You need ExpressVPN. So ExpressVPN is better than other VPNs. If you download a free VPN from the internet, the ISP can actually grab all your data and then monetize it by selling it to advertisers. Also, uh, the, the, a lot of other VPNs will slow down your internet connection, make it impossible for you to traffic freely on the internet. ExpressVPN does not slow down your internet connection. It's very easy to install. It's very easy to use. It runs in the background of your computer. You don't even notice it's there. It's just there like a silent guardian protecting you each and every day. ExpressVPN doesn't log your data. They've developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes it impossible for their servers to log any of your data. Again, their speeds are blazing fast, very easy to install. So Go protect yourself today with the VPN I use and trust myself. Use my link at expressvpn.com slash Ben today. Get an extra three months for free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben. Again, expressvpn.com slash Ben to learn more. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben. Go check it out right now. Okay, so the, the, you, you can tell a narrative is, is now taking place. Minneapolis is leading the way because that is the worst of these situations, right? It ended with a human being's death a person who never should have died, obviously. But we are also seeing on Twitter a bunch of other sort of minor confrontations elevated into major confrontations without evidence. So here's an example. There is an unfortunate person whose name is Tom Austin. Tom Austin is apparently some sort of executive and Tom Austin lives in a private building. It has a, a private, there is some sort of, of private, um, private gym at this private building. And in order for you to access the private gym, you are supposed to be, you know, a member of the building. This exists at many, many, many buildings. And so this fellow Tom Austin gets taped by a group of self-described young black entrepreneurs. Okay, he gets taped. Why? Because he asks them to see their key cards and they say no. They say that we are, we are from the building and we are not going to do this and you're racially profiling us. And now there's no evidence that he's racially profiling them, as in none, right? I don't know that he routinely asks people in the gym whether or not they are supposed to be there or not. Also, as it turns out, some of these guys actually didn't have key cards, apparently. So this tape is put on Twitter. Here is, here's the tape. It has millions of views, literally millions of views, almost 6 million views on Twitter. 
Here is the tape of Tom Austin apparently being a vicious racist. At no point does he mention their race. At no point does he say anything racist. We know he's a racist because he asked people in a private gym whether they ought to be in the private gym. Here is Tom Austin. He, he personally trended on Twitter last night. I'm Tom Austin. I'm okay. a tenant in the building. I'm also Are you? We're all tenants in this building. What, 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 what don't worry about that. What office? So we have an office here, and this guy came accusing us we can't be here. What yeah. office are you in? That don't worry about that. We don't have to tell you anything. I'm calling 911 now. Go ahead. As you guys can see, we're dealing with racism here. Nicole? Hey, this is Tom Austin. I'm going to the gym at the There's the whole... I don't know what we do here, but there's a whole bunch of people who don't appear to be part of the... Y'all see this racism here? Okay, so at no point here is there any implication of racism. Nonetheless, this guy is forced to go online and then issue a mea culpa saying that he's a part of the white supremacist infrastructure because it's how stupid our world is now. What did he actually say? He said, yes, I effed up. Should have handled it differently. Not my job to have done anything. So now we are saying that he's not allowed to ask anybody if they're in the private gym improperly or to call anybody if somebody is in the private gym improperly because, God forbid, they should be of a different race. That means that he's a racist. He says, building management had been complaining that tenants were allowing their friends to trespass and use a private gym that was authorized only for building tenants. When I arrived to the gym, I said hello to everyone. But after working out for 10 minutes, I noticed that one of the tenants seemed to have brought four friends. And I complained to them this isn't right. One guy was letting his other four friends in and out of the building with his own pass card. Four guys did not have a pass card. When I said something, they got in my face accusing me of racial profiling. I said it wasn't racial profiling. It was all about suspicious activity behavior. Because they were in... Be, because they were in my face and didn't have pass cards, I took photos and called the property manager. I only called the building property manager. I didn't call 911. I told them I'd have done the same thing if they were white or even if a bunch of girls were trespassing. What the videos didn't show is I spent 15 minutes listening to their grievances. I empathized with them, the challenges they faced. What surprises me is that this video was posted, even though we worked out in the gym together for another 45 minutes while having friendly banter. Everyone was fine. I'd already apologized to them for making them feel it was a race issue, race issue and I listened to all their grievances. When I left the gym at the end of the night, I said, have a great night. Hope we're good. Did a fist bump with each of them. There's way more to the story. I've offered to reach out and sit down with the guys. Nobody has responded. Seems more about hyping up the community rather than trying to come to truth and having an honest conversation. Obviously, this guy is a vicious racist and we should end his career. Clearly, he did something deeply, deeply wrong. And we've seen so many of these in the past week and a half, like an incredible number of these, right? We had that clip between the FedEx employees and the homeowner where the FedEx employees suggested the homeowner did something truly terrible and racist. There was no evidence that any of this happened. So the story sort of disappeared from the news, right? There was no follow-up because it turns out that no investigation could show, apparently, that something deeply horrible had happened in racist fashion. Here, these guys got fired from FedEx after posting the tape. We had a full week of controversy after two people basically yelled at each other in Central Park. After one man, a black man, saw a white woman who was walking her dog off leash in the bird watching part of the park and asked her to put the dog on the leash, and she refused. And he said, well, if you won't do what I want, then I'm going to do something that you don't like. And then he summoned her dog over with dog treats, even though he didn't have a dog. And she felt threatened. And she said that I'm going to call the cops on you. And this became a major racial blow up. Hey, all, how is any of this like solving racism? A question. How is any of this helping us solve racism? Is any of this forwarding the, forwarding the cause? Also, it seems like there's relative unanimity on what good behavior constitutes and what bad behavior constitutes, except in the media. There's an entire article by a woman named Ruby Hamad called A White Damsel Leveraged Racial Power and Failed. Well, then maybe she didn't have racial power. Does that ever occur to anybody? If you leverage power and you fail, maybe you were overestimating your amount of racial power. The viral video of this tense interaction between a white woman walking her dog and a black man bird watching in Central Park has become the latest flashpoint, not only of discussions of racism and police brutality against black men, but also of the pivotal role played by white women. The damsel in distress archetype probably conjures up images of delicate maidens and chivalrous gentlemen. That's precisely what it's designed to do for white people. 
to people of color and especially African-Americans who have borne the brunt of her power in the United States. The image is very different. So now we are going to compare this woman who called the cops after a guy tried to draw, draw, draw her dog over with treats from his pocket and said a quasi-racist thing that she's going to call the cops and say an African-American man is threatening her and there's no reason to implicate race there. That when she, when she does that, this is the same as, a, as, as the evil history in America of white women claiming that black men had ravished them and then justifying the activity of the Ku Klux Klan. That is the way that we are going to work here. This is such a... T- Every New York Times column is, here's the thing that happened in 2020. It's exactly the same as the thing that happened in 1852. Exactly. We're not going to explain why. It's exactly the same. It's every Ta-Nehisi Coates column. Every single one is, or every Jamel Bowie column. Here's a bad thing happening in 2020. Remember when a bad thing happened in like 1920? And it wasn't the same, but we're going to say it's exactly the same because history is history has fruit. This column then goes to the, the memoir of a woman named Harriet Jacobs published in 1861 to connect to this. This tapestry of testimonials reveals a social fabric held together not only by the sexual abuse of black women, but also by the collective projection of blame back onto the victims. Wherever European men colonized, the damsel followed. Miss Cooper has been fired from her job following an outcry at the way she yanked her thrashing and yelping cocker spaniel by the collar has surrendered her dog. By the way, I, I just, I don't know dogs well enough. It seems to me that if you leash a dog and you're pulling the dog around by the leash, it's pretty much the same thing as holding the dog by the collar, but maybe I'm completely wrong on all of this. But again, the, the idea here is that she is a symbol of long lasting white supremacy, except she's the one who got fired. Did anything happen to Christian Cooper except that he got a bunch of wonderful coverage in the media? By the way, He said, I'm not excusing the racism. I don't know that her life needed to be torn apart. But then he said, he said, if we're going to make progress, we've got to address these things. If this painful progress is going to help us address this, there's a yellow warbler. If this painful process helps to correct or takes us a step further toward addressing the underlying racial horrible assumptions that we African-Americans have to deal with and have dealt with for centuries that this woman tapped into, then it's worth it. Sadly, it has to come at her expense. So in other words, I'm sorry she lost her job, but I'm not so sorry she lost her job because racial progress depends on people blowing up racial incidents or even non-racial incidents, as it turns out in some of these cases, into massive indicators of broad-based American racism. Like, and, and by the way, we're now extending this conversation into the world of COVID, which is, is purely insane because COVID is a disease, people. COVID is a disease. So we'll get, get to more of this in just one second. Then we'll get to President Trump going after Twitter. First, let's talk about the fact that everybody needs a pair of great wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of bucks on a pair, why don't you spend less and get the same quality earbuds that fit your ear better? I'm talking about Raycons. As you already know, Raycon earbuds started about half the price of any other premium wireless earbud on the market. They sound just as amazing as the other top audio brands that you know. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are the best ones yet. Six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, a more compact design that gives you that nice noise-isolating fit. Raycon's wireless earbuds are incredibly comfortable. They're perfect for conference calls, or for binging podcasts. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet, no dangling wires, no stems to distract anybody during video calls. Now is the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. One of the things I like, they're not one size fits all. They've got a bunch of fits for your ear, so it's going to fit your ear absolutely perfectly. Come in a variety of colors so you can look stylish. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash Ben. That is B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash Ben. Buyraycon.com slash Ben. Again, buyraycon.com slash Ben and get 15% off the best pair of wireless earbuds on the market for a lot less. Buyraycon.com slash Ben for 15% off. Okay, in just one second, we'll get to 
a lot more of the news because there is a lot going on. But first, remember, the Double Tumblr is back. That's right. But it is only available for our most exclusive membership tier, All Access. The All Access membership tier, it's our premier level of membership. All Access members get to participate in All Access Live. That is our brand new interactive programming featuring one of the Daily Wire hosts as we hang out with you each and every night. All Access members also get to join us for real-time Q&A discussions available on both the website and the Daily Wire app. All Access membership now includes two of the irreplaceable leftist tiers Tumblr, two count them two. The tumblers are literally overflowing with tears, but figuratively, at the thought of this particular offer. By the way, you should check out our All Accesses. They are, they are very fun. Uh, I, I wear t-shirts and I sing songs and I do stupid voices and I answer all the questions you could possibly imagine. Finally, All Access members get all of the benefits of our other membership tiers. You get the ad-free website experience, access to our live broadcast and show library, access to the show's mailbags, the full three hours of the Ben Shapiro show along with the dedicated editorials from moi. So head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Join All Access, get 15% off with coupon code Shapiro right now. That is dailywire.com slash subscribe. We will see you there. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So there was a time when in the aftermath of the pandemic, everybody thought that intersectionality was going to go the way of the dodo bird, that the entire attempt to divide Americans by race, sex, class, and to try to suggest that America is just hierarchies of power, that was going to go by the wayside as we all faced down an extraordinarily dangerous disease, and we all locked down, and we all became Americans together. So that lasted approximately 27.2 seconds. That was really exciting. Now, there's an attempt by the media to take the racialized narrative and draw it into COVID. I've been talking about this for a while, this attempt to suggest that America is deeply and interminably racist because black people are dying at a higher rate than white people from COVID-19. Neglecting to mention the confounding factors like obesity and diabetes rates, neglecting to mention the possibility that vitamin D consumption might have something to do with this. That's according to a study from The Lancet. Neglecting to mention that there is a vast disparity between black and white death in Britain, like four to one. So that ain't American brand racism that's causing that disparity because that's over in the UK. We've seen similar stuff with regards to maternal mortality rates. The 1619 Project suggested that black women die in childbirth a lot more than white women die in childbirth because of racism. There is virtually no evidence to support the idea that the racism is the, is the deciding factor that doctors are being like, oh, look, a black lady going to let her die or low, or, or low birth weight for children that has anything to do with racism. So instead, you basically have to say, History was full of racism. We are part of history. Therefore, this is because of racism. So now we're trying to do that with COVID-19. There's an article in the New York Times today. It says, a study of Louisiana hospitals highlights the pandemic's disproportionate burden on communities of color. The hospital system, Oxner Health, serves a predominantly white population, but most patients hospitalized with COVID-19 over a recent six-week period were black, according to research published on Wednesday in the New England Journal of Medicine. Oxner Health operates hospitals and outpatient facilities throughout Louisiana. About 30% of the patient population is black. Among the 1,382 patients with COVID-19 hospitalized from March 1st to April 11th, 77% were black. Black patients made up 80% of patients transferred to the ICU and nearly 82% of those put on ventilators to help with breathing. So I have a question. Are they only being put on ventilators and in the ICU because they are black? Or is it possible that maybe people are coming in because they are unhealthy and also happen to be black? And also, if you're going to talk about racism in the medical system, wouldn't the better indicator be that a lot of black people are dying out of the hospital and not being given care, right? That would be an indicator of racism, not that people are getting the care that they are supposed to need. The authors of the new study reported that compared with white patients who were hospitalized, black patients had higher rates of obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, and chronic kidney disease. Well, maybe that would be the factor here, would it not? Maybe that would be the factor. But in the attempt to racialize everything, we have decided that COVID-19 is also racist or that it just merely exposes underlying American racism. Again, all of this is terrible for the country. When, because we, oh, great. 
racism is bad. We all agree police brutality is bad. We all agree that racism should be fought at every turn. And any attempt to suggest that black Americans are under threat by America broadly writ is just a lie. And it's a nasty, disgusting lie at that. Attempting to impute guilt to people who are not guilty of things. Attempting to impute to America a guilt that America has spent generations attempting to alleviate. Just really, really bad stuff. Okay, meanwhile, the president of the United States is talking about an executive order that would crack down on Twitter today. This, this has been driven by the fact that Twitter has put fact checks on some of his tweets. Now, should Twitter do that? No, it's incredibly stupid. The reason it's incredibly stupid is because Twitter is not good at fact checking. In fact, Twitter's first fact check of President Trump was not correct. They suggested that there was no fraud in mail-in voting. Not true. And the fact is that Twitter should not consider itself to be the arbiter of truth. Mark Zuckerberg has been raked over the coals by people right, left, and center. Mark Zuckerberg's perspective on free speech and the role of these websites is far, far, far better and far more intellectually coherent than anything Jack Dorsey, that dumbass over at Twitter, is doing. Here is Mark Zuckerberg treating all big tech like they're exactly the same is not accurate. Here's Zuckerberg on Dana Perino's show yesterday saying, listen, we're not the arbiters of truth. People have the ability to actually fact check things themselves. A different policy, I, I think, than Twitter on this. You know, I, I just believe strongly that uh, that Facebook shouldn't be uh, the arbiter of truth of everything that people say online. Um, I think in general, private companies probably shouldn't be, or especially these platform companies, shouldn't be in the position of, of, of doing that. And he, of course, is exactly right. He was raked over the coals by the left for this. How dare he? How dare he suggest that it's not Facebook's job to determine absolute truth? We need Jack Dorsey doing it, according to the left. Well, this has driven a reaction from President Trump, which is, okay, well, then I'm just going to crack down on the social media. Now, this is based on a misinterpretation of the Communications Decency Act, Section 230. So Section 230 basically shields companies from liability if they have comment sections. That's all this is. So Daily Wire is responsible for the people that we pay and the people that we edit. We are not responsible for the comment sections. That does not mean we can't curate our comment sections. In fact, we can curate our comment sections. Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act was specifically created in order to protect companies who are attempting to shield people from viewing pornography in the comments, shield people from viewing obscenity in the comments. The basic idea was, why should it be that if you police your comments for the F word, that you will be held liable if there's a bad comment? But if you don't police your comments, then you won't be held liable. So the Communications Decency Act, Section 230, which shields companies like Facebook and Twitter, quote unquote, open platforms that are still, that are still curated in terms of the commentary or edited, that shield those from, from liability. The original idea was that the two alternatives should not be either you are fully liable for all your comments or you have to have a completely unregulated comment section. Right? That's why the, the provision was created in the first place. People have misread that to believe that Twitter has violated Section 230 by not being unbiased or something. And that's not true. Twitter doesn't have to be unbiased. That's clear from the language. Does that mean that Twitter is smart? No, Twitter is incredibly stupid. But I would just recommend that people recognize that you know who's in favor of rewriting Section 230 the way that President Trump is talking about? Joe Biden. Like Joe Biden literally came out a couple months ago and said that he would like to rewrite Section 230. He said it should be revoked immediately. Why? Because, it's, because Facebook isn't merely an internet company. He just wants to control Facebook. That is, that, is not a, uh, that, that, that is not a good thing for conservatives. The, the notion that if you are going to regulate YouTube or Google or Facebook or Twitter, that this is somehow going to redound to conservative benefit, I, I have some questions on how exactly you believe that's going to go when Elizabeth Warren is in charge of regulating Facebook or Twitter. Like, listen, I think Twitter is a garbage heap too. It's a flaming dumpster fire. I've talked about it extensively over the last several weeks. But the, the idea that you're somehow going to be able to regulate this from the top of government with some sort of executive order 
That is, uh, that is a bizarre take, a very, very bizarre take. Now, some conservatives have been suggesting that we need to rewrite the Communications Decency Act because, the, because effectively, when you edit these comments enough, you are acting as a publisher. You're basically distinguishing between things that you think are okay to be up and things that you think are not okay to be up. But the CDA specifically provides for that sort of thing. And people should recognize that the actual result of this is going to be not that Twitter becomes a fully open platform in which everybody gets to publish whatever they want, but the shutdown of Twitter, right? And, and people should recognize that we'll shut down our comment sections at Daily Wire. We don't have time to curate all your comments. So we'll just shut down our comment section. Every comment section across the country will die if you get rid of Section 230. So recognize that not every problem has a great government solution. And this would be one of those. I think Twitter is handled horribly too. I think that an executive order against social media companies on the basis that Trump doesn't like Twitter uh, is, a, is a very large-scale mistake. The expansion of size and scope of government is not... When is the last time this has redounded to the benefit of Americans? Seriously, it just, it just doesn't. Or conservatives more broadly. Alrighty, time for a bunch of things that I hate. Alrighty, so we are watching actual world historical events happening in real time. Hong Kong has now lost complete autonomy. According to the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, Hong Kong is no longer an autonomous government. The New York Times reports that Secretary of State Pompeo announced on Wednesday the State Department no longer considered Hong Kong to have significant autonomy under Chinese rule, a move that indicated the Trump administration was likely to end some or all of the U.S. government's special trade and economic relations with the territory in southern China. This is a major story. There are many, many American companies that have bases in Hong Kong, that have branches in Hong Kong, because Hong Kong still had some level of independence from the Chinese government. The Chinese government has been using the pandemic First, they unleash the pandemic on the world. Then they decide, you know what? It's a great time to crack down on all dissent inside Hong Kong. And that's precisely what they have been doing. They have now pushed legislation that would make it treason to criticize the Chinese government. That is the, that is the next move that the Chinese government has been pursuing. This is really horrifying stuff. And it demonstrates full scale that when you, when you run away from dictatorships, dictatorships don't treat you nicely. When the British decided to cede control of Hong Kong to the Chinese government in the name of local control back in 1997, there were a bunch of provisions that were supposed to protect the autonomy of Hong Kong. All of them have been ignored by the Chinese government. And nobody was able to do anything because once you leave, you can't go back. It's not like the British were going to reinvade Hong Kong. None of that was going to happen. And for China, the possibility of controlling Hong Kong and then waiting for a friendly administration in the EU, waiting for a friendly administration in the United States, it's a pretty rich it's, it's a pretty rich thing, right? I mean, okay, so we'll take a hit for a couple of years. We're a commie country. We have a billion citizens who we can simply exploit. So, all right, we'll take the short-term hit in order to take control of the lives of millions of people in Hong Kong. China's legislature has now approved a proposal, according to CNN, to impose a highly contentious national security law in Hong Kong. An unprecedented move, critics say, threatens fundamental political freedoms and civil liberties in Hong Kong. By the way, if, if people can get out of Hong Kong, they are leaving en masse right now. Watch for the wave. It's going to be incredible. The country's rubber stamp parliament, the National People's Congress, nearly unanimously approved the resolution on Thursday to introduce the sweeping security legislation. It bans secession, subversion of state power, terrorism, foreign intervention, and allows mainland China's state security agencies to operate in the city. So that is full on Communist Party control of Hong Kong. The law drastically broadens Beijing's power over Hong Kong, which last year was roiled by anti-government protests calling for greater democracy and more autonomy from mainland China. Protesters took to the streets and clashed with police. The approval of the law is expected to result in more demonstrations, but nobody is actually expecting that the, the blowback from the world is going to stop the Chinese government. Mike Pompeo denounced the law as a disastrous decision. 
the latest in a series of actions that fundamentally undermine Hong Kong's autonomy and freedoms. He says no reasonable person can assert today that Hong Kong maintains a high degree of autonomy from China, given facts on the ground. Under the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act, the U.S. government has to annually verify to Congress the city remains autonomous from China or it risks losing its special status with the United States. It's about to lose all of its status from the United States. There may be visa sanctions, economic sanctions against the Chinese. There could be an end to the extradition treaty that exists between the U.S. and Hong Kong. The Chinese government has yet to respond to the United States, but they say this is China's internal affair because it turns out that when China says, you know, two two countries, one China, whether they say about Taiwan or whether they say about Hong Kong, what they actually mean is we are going to control this thing in top-down fashion and kill all of our opponents because communism is evil and remains evil. President Trump's foreign policy aides are discussing actions, according to the New York Times, that would be among the harshest punishments taken against China over the past three years. These could have far-reaching consequences for the 7.5 million Hong Kong residents. Hong Kong has been a financial and commercial hub since late last century. Many Chinese and foreign firms use Hong Kong as an international or regional base, and a lot of elite Communist Party members do business and own property there. Pompeo says the security law is a death knell for Hong Kong's freedom. The, the United Nations is, uh, is going to do nothing because, of course, China sits on the UN Security Council demonstrating full scale that the UN is a wretched hive of scum and villainy. It is a garbage institution run by some of the worst countries on earth. The, the president is, is looking not to get into a serious conflict with China, but Trump said that we are going to give a very powerful response. Presumably, we're going to break off cooperation with trade and law enforcement. So your prices at the market are going to go up, but honestly, we never should have opened China in the first place. Good case to be made that we should have simply let them collapse the same way the Soviet Union collapsed, and we just put it off for 40 years. But this has been a long time coming, and the West looked the other way. And just like with North Korea, the West looked the other way and looked the other way and looked the other way until Hong Kong became a a slave state to the Chinese government once again. This has been going on for years. In, the, the, in, in 2002, the Hong Kong government introduced its first proposal under Article 23 of the Basic Law that authorized the local administration to pass laws covering treason and sedition. Okay, the Regina Ip was the then security secretary. She was a proponent of the bill. She, she pledged in 2017 to enact Article 23 in suitable measures. So five years, literally five years removed from the Hong Kong Treaty, China was already trying to institute full security control over Hong Kong. So it, it's just, it took a while, but Hong Kong has now become, again, a, it, it's tragic. I mean, what we're watching right now is absolute tragedy and, again, demonstrative of the idea that when the United States, when the EU, when liberal powers leave, those spaces are filled by other people. Power politics abhors a vacuum. And China was was always going to be checked only by the willingness to, to utilize American power. I'm not talking military power. I'm talking economic power and all other elements to protect people. But uh, apparently they're they are not going to. I, I have serious doubts that, that any action is going to be taken by the EU in coordination with the United States here. Okay, time for some other things that I hate. So Andrew Cuomo uh, is a flaming dumpster fire of a governor. It's an awful, awful governor. So Andrew Cuomo continues to preside over a state that had the worst outcomes from COVID-19 he continues to clash with Mayor Bill de Blasio. They still can't decide on a unified policy. He continues to sort of futz his way through this thing, but because he's on TV a lot, then he has very high popularity ratings. And now he's going to blame everybody else for his own stupid leadership. So yesterday, Andrew Cuomo was asked about the fact that a huge percentage of New Yorkers have died in nursing homes. Now, New York is lying about this because what New York does, when you talk about undercounting, what New York does is if you are from a nursing home and you get COVID-19, then they actually 
suggest that you are not from a nursing home if you die in a hospital. So you get COVID-19, you're at a nursing home, you're shipped to a hospital, you die in the hospital. New York does not count that as a nursing home death. But you obtained it at the nursing home. So it's a nursing home death. But New York doesn't say that. So they've been dramatically undercounting nursing home deaths. As we all know, for months, only relieved in like the last couple of weeks, New York had a policy, and the policy was that nursing homes were forced by law to reaccept people with COVID-19. Here's Andrew Cuomo yesterday blaming the nursing homes themselves for a law that he himself had promulgated. The obligation is on the nursing home to say, I can't take a COVID-positive person. I'm too crowded. I'm too busy. I don't have enough PPE. Whatever the answer is, doesn't even matter. It's if they say I can't take the person, they can't take the person. Um, I'm sorry. You are, uh, you are the world's worst governor. And blaming everybody else for the fact that you are, are awful is pretty amazing. Meanwhile, that, that's not where Cuomo stops. So Cuomo is now looking. He, basically, he's the handout governor. Right? That's what he is. He, he, I, I need ventilators. President Trump, make it happen. I need PPE. President Trump, make it happen. Now it's, I need money. Federal government, make it happen. Maybe it's because you guys are running like hundreds of billions of dollars in debt because you've been passing crappy fiscal policy for decades on end. Maybe that would be your big problem. So Cuomo yesterday, he said, there's no national recovery without a federal government bailout. Or alternatively, you could take austerity measures that you always should have taken instead of signing garbage contracts with your local unions. Here was, here was Andrew Cuomo blaming the federal government again. It's, it's very easy. God, it's got to be easy to be a Democrat. All you got to do is blame the Republican president for everything on earth. And the media just goes right along with it. This dude has an 80% approval rating. And he has, he has presided over, what, one quarter of all deaths in America from COVID-19? You want to talk about Trump being a crappy president because 100,000 people have died? How about the fact that this dumbass was shipping old people back to nursing homes with COVID-19, not disinfecting the subways, not shutting down the subways, and then whining about the fact that he wasn't doing his job and getting resources for his own state. Somehow, Governor Gavin Newsom here in California got resources for the state. Here was Andrew Cuomo blaming the federal government again. States are doing re- reopening. States are responsible for testing. States are responsible for tracing. States are responsible for the health care system. States are responsible for the enforcement of uh, all the procedures around reopening. But at the same time, the federal government has a role to play, and the federal government has to do its part as we work our way through this crisis. And there cannot be a national recovery if the state and local governments are not funded. That is a fact. Um, no, it actually can be a national recovery if the state and local governments acted responsibly in the first place. You blew out the credit card, then you had an unforeseen expense, and now you are blaming people for not filling in the part of the, the part of the bill that you incurred in the first place. Cuomo wouldn't let this one go. Right? He said it's un-American not to bail out the states. Un-American. You're a bad American if you don't feel like we should pay in, if we should fill in all of the pension gaps in Andrew Cuomo's crappy budget. You have people saying, well, we don't want to pass a bill that helps democratic states. It would be a blue state bailout, is what some have said. Senator McConnell, stopping blue state bailouts. This is really an ugly, ugly sentiment. It is an un-American response. We're still the United States of America. Those words meant something. Yeah, they didn't mean that the federal government was supposed to fill in your crappy governance. By the way, it's hilarious to me. It's it's an ugly, un-American response to say it's a blue state bailout. Weird, because five seconds ago, you were implying that the net recipients of tax benefits were people in red states. Literally, he said that like four weeks ago. But this guy, he's the worst governor. He's a terrible governor. 
I, I, I am enjoying the, uh, I am enjoying states' rights, Andrew Cuomo. Because states' rights, Andrew Cuomo, is at war with, I want the federal government to do everything with me for me, Andrew Cuomo. So at the same time that he's saying, I have authority to run my state. Bill de Blasio doesn't have authority. Donald Trump doesn't have authority. He's saying, Daddy Trump, please fill in. Please give me my allowance. I want my allowance right now. So at the same time, he's saying there's no nation without the states. He's suggesting that it's the job of the nation to fill in the states. You can't have it both ways. Do you want to be treated as an autonomous being or would you prefer to be treated as a dependent? Pick, because you don't have that. You don't get it both ways. Here was Andrew Cuomo trying to have it both ways. State governments, state economies, local economies, that's what the national economy is made of. What is the national economy but for a function of the states? There is no nation without the states. Uh, They tend to forget that in this town. But it's the obvious fact. There's no nation without the states. Okay, so you're going to have to explain to me how the nation is then supposed, if there's no nation without the states and the nation is refusing to recognize your state, then why does the nation have money? Like really, that's a question. Then the money isn't funneled through the states. The money is taken directly from citizens. The nation does exist in the absence of the states at this point, thanks to a federal bureaucracy built up over the course of the last 120 years. But with that said, it also happens to be the case that the job of the federal government was not created to bail out the states from their bad financial decision-making. How this guy has, like, what, what happened to New Yorkers? Hello, McFly, hello? How are you guys, how do you guys think this guy's a good governor? How? I'm very, very confused. Just because the last name is Cuomo? I'm so sick of political families in the United States. Like, it's, it's very, very tiresome. All right, so New York, well done. You, you've selected the world's greatest governor. Okay, well, I think we've run out of time for things that I like. Tomorrow is a, a Jewish holiday, so I will be back here on Monday. Please try not to wreck America further, people. If we could just like cut it out, that'd be amazing. Also, I have two additional hours of content coming up later today. You can subscribe. You can get all of that a little bit later today over at dailywire.com, and we'll see you then, or we'll see you here next week. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, technical producer Austin Stevens, playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan, associate producer Katie Swinnerton, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Clavin, host of The Andrew Clavin Show. The Chinese flu lockdown is coming to an end and all across America, people are saying, hooray, now we can go outside and hate each other and destroy things. Not a good look, but we'll talk about it on The Andrew Clavin Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. 
Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 